Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly is here with Jeremiah, the king of backpacking, Stringer. And Jeremiah, how are you? This beautiful 62-degree day in February. I've been texting one of my buddies that lives up around Massachusetts. And, um, I mean, up there, it seems like transmissions are freezing up because it's so cold. And I texted him a picture of where I rode my bike down to the lake yesterday, and it was 70 degrees. There was literally someone swimming yesterday. Dude walked down the ramp and just... That's crazy. He took his pants and shirt off and just jumped right in. He got back out, and I was like, is it cold? He's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. cold, but it was like seventy. So, yeah, well, I took my little girl. She got her birthday was on Sunday, and uh, we got her first bike with training wheels. So we were doing that today, and then she wanted to get her scooter out for a little bit, and so she did that. And so that's what I was doing this afternoon before we started filming this thing. Oh, you're getting to soak it in, dude. I was talking to some oh, yeah. of my um, students at school because. A lot of times we'll go to the same gym and there's basketball court and I get to play basketball with them. And I was talking to one of them and I was like, do you think there'd be more people out at the, the outside basketball courts around town instead of inside? Because I heard there's a group going this afternoon. And uh, I don't know, dude. It's so beautiful. I don't know which so to pick. Nice. Maybe I'll just drive by oh. the outdoor courts. And it looks like March is going to come in pretty nice too. Like at least down here in the south. I mean, I haven't always thought of Kentucky as the South. I've always thought of it as the like Southern Midwest. Yeah, it's like the but, tip of the South. Yeah, but now it's like it feels like the South this year. It's been really, really warm, and I have a trip coming up here in a I don't know, like a week or so. And I've been looking at the weather. I'll be in Virginia. I think we might get a little bit of rain, but the temps are not going to be in the teens or anything crazy like the last trip. Last trip I was on, dude, I think it was a low of 17 degrees overnight, and we were right beside that waterfall. That. Yeah, dude. I was, remember that, man. That's that's cold temperatures for Kentucky. That is cold. That's just cold, period. I mean, yeah, now I if agree. you're Miyagi or, or, you know, Jeremy from Midwest Backpacker, yeah, maybe not so much, but <laughs> for us normal people, that's cold, man. <laughs> I talked to Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir, on Saturday, and he was telling me, he was telling me about um, the guys had invited him to go up and go to the frozen butt hanger, whatever they call it. Right, and right. I was like, dude, what was the weather like? And he said, I think it was 20 below. And that was like not counting the wind chill or anything like that. And I was like, did you go? He's like, no, it is, that is so cold. All those guys are awesome. I would love hanging out with Suge and Miyagi and Midwest oh, Backpacker, yeah. all those guys. Uh, but all we would be doing is sawing firewood or cooking. <laughs> Those are like yep. your two. That's the two go-tos. That's it. That's it. Okay, so got a plan for today. Now, you said you might want to go on a rant real quick, so I'm going to let you do your rant first before we get into our topic for today. So, Jeremiah, 
Fill me in on what this rant is that you want to talk about. Well, I don't know the best way to describe it, if you could call it a rant or what, but I woke up to a text message, or not a text message, but an email this morning. Mm -hmm. And this is a woe is me, so don't feel too sorry for me. But I've been doing these extra sponsored videos to help pay for the Camino de Santiago, and we leave at the end of May. So you're kind of running out of runway. It's, It's March now. And you only have a couple months, and we're literally going to be flying out. Yep. Well, I have been booking ahead of time multiple sponsors each month. And my sponsors for this month, one, everything went great. The other, I was supposed to put out a video this month for them, and I emailed them, and I was like, hey, are we still all good to go for this brand deal? And they got back to me. And before I even, before they got back to me, I went ahead and shot the video, edited it, uploaded it, haven't published it, I sent it to them. And they got back to me on the draft. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were like, well, we're rethinking it. Uh, They, they was like, they offered me four times, they offered me a quarter of what we decided on, on payment. And I was oh, like, wow. I was like, I've already done the video. Everything's good to go. Literally, I have, I can click publish right now. And the video's probably already been published by the time people are hearing this. But uh, I don't know. Do I, what What do you think I should do here, John? I, I told them, hey, we already agreed on price XYZ. Um, you said everything was good to go. I sent you the video. I was like, what if I... Don't do a sponsor video, but put it in a video in the future that helps demonstrate, you know, whatever the purpose of the good or service is. Mm-hmm. And they haven't got back to me. So I can either edit out the part of the video where I talked about their product or service, or if they agree to it, I can put it out there and then put it in another video. Well, let me start off by apologizing. Um, I, I, I know you were, you know, I was sponsoring your video with my merchandise and I probably should have stuck it out and times are hard, man. I just can't afford it right now. How can I forgive Um, you? Man, I just don't know. That stinks, dude. I don't really have words for you on that, but that stinks. Well, it's not that much money, but you know, every dollar counts whenever you're talking about spending, you know, over a month in Spain, like I still... Everybody knows that backpacks, they know how, how much it costs and stuff. But whenever you're traveling, it's no, it's not too bad, you know. I can go backpacking any time and not spend hardly any money because I already have the gear and stuff. But whenever you're talking about flights and eating and hotel cost every night, then it starts adding up. So looking at that budget, I hope nobody else um, either cancels or tries to, to change the plans. But this is the first time I've been doing YouTube for five years. This is the first time I've ever had any issue with any company. Some some I do official contract, like literally a lawyer's typed this out, and then we're both signing on the dotted line. And some are right. just via email, emailing back and forth. And I still yeah. think that's a contract. I'm still pretty sure. I don't know my contract law, but I'm pretty sure once you agree, even in email, that is like admissible in court. It just depends on if they're in this country or not. Yeah, I don't think they're in this country. So yeah, that can that, that kind of maybe negates everything for you. Yeah, whenever you're dealing with a company outside of the U.S., you can't really sue them. Not that I would sue yeah. over this amount. I mean, it's not that much money, but 
Yeah. Wouldn't be worth my time and energy. But I don't know. A little bit frustrated. If I don't uh, – how honorable is Jeremiah Stringer? Do I totally roast this company to the dozens of viewers that are potentially going to see my channel? You are regionally popular. Yeah. I don't know. Well, hey, know. how about this? All right, hit me. Here, here's something that's frustrating to me. Yes. I have never hiked out west. Oh, bro. You're I missing have out. never hiked out west. And and so I'm planning that this year is the year that I hike out west. Um, possibly in Colorado in the fall. So kind of excited about the possibility of that. What are you thinking um, about in Colorado? You got any... Uh... Uh, I, I can't ideas? really say right now because okay. it, it's with a buddy and, and I don't know if, if I can say or not. Maybe yeah, I no can, worries. maybe I can't. I don't know. Well, so I did the Holy, Car Holy Cross Wilderness in Colorado and it did not disappoint. I don't know where you're thinking about going, but there's not too many ugly sites in the state of Colorado from what I saw. No, Colorado is beautiful and I love mountains. So it's a good, it's a good match for me. That's for sure. But I, I wanted to check on some things because I was curious about, you know, backpacking out west is not like backpacking out here on the eastern side of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some different things you got to worry about. So I started wondering what are some fatal mistakes you could make if you're hiking out west. And the Pacific Crest Trail actually put out a list of five things that they consider fatal mistakes or fatal flaws that you could make on the PCT. So I thought what we'd do is I would share these fatal flaws with you and just kind of get your opinion on them and see where we go from there. What do you think about that? I think that sounds great. And whenever you're saying fatal, are we talking uh, like if you make this mistake, you're going to die on trail? Potentially, yes. <sighs> Man. Yeah. Well, this like, is... yeah, when, I, when I'm saying fatal, I'm not saying like as in just really bad. I mean, these really could be fatal flaws. So I'm going to get an education. What do you think about that? We're getting hardcore. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Let's hear the first All one. All right. The first one is ignoring poor weather conditions. And let me read this to you, what it says. It says, hail can seriously injure, and lightning kills 40 to 50 people every year. It's incredibly important that you pay attention to the sky as you hike. If you ignore the weather forecast and don't watch the clouds forming above you, you may be putting yourself at risk. You should always bring clothing or changing weather. Uh, know how to protect yourself from lightning and be prepared to turn around if weather worsens. Well, What's your thought on that? I don't know about all parts of the West. We were at like 11, 12, 13,000 feet, and it seemed like every day between noon and 1, whenever I was in Colorado, there would be a thunderstorm. And it always had wind, it always had lightning, and it always had hail. And we would have to like stop and tuck away and set up the tarp to get out of that hail, you know, just pelting you. And it yeah. goes from like sunny and 75 to 45 and hailing just in the matter of minutes. So I don't know. I think that it definitely could be a fatal mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, especially because the mountains are different out west than they are out this way. Yeah, they kind of create their own weather, I think. Yeah, because I know the mountains out here, you're talking five, 6,000 feet at the highest. Mm -hmm. Out there, you're talking 14,000 feet. Well, can we, know? can we talk about lightning for a second? 
Absolutely. Okay. I want to get your opinion on this. So I met this guy on the AT, and then I'd done some backpacking with him, and um, he was telling me about he was on top of a mountain, and exactly what I was just describing happened. You know, he's backpacking, and the lightning, lightning storm hits. And basically what he did was he was so afraid because he's literally on top of the mountain with lightning that he ditches his backpack. He, he ditches anything that's metal on him, including his watch, and just is like just throws it to the ground and is just running downhill. One, what do you think he should have done? And two, did it help at all to ditch the things that he had that were metal? I don't think ditching those things helped him at all. That's what I thought, too. I, I think you just need to get downhill as quickly as possible because the lightning's going to hit the highest point. It's going to hit the point that's closest to it. So you say ditch the backpack and take off sprinting downhill? No, I just say take your just take your stuff and run downhill. Don't don't take the backpack off. Just go. I tell you, I don't think you need to ditch your backpack. There, there's not much that's scarier whenever you're outdoors and on top of a mountain and you're hearing thunder and seeing lightning oh, yeah. at the exact same time. When those are happening simultaneously, I mean, dude, you are in it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I remember, I remember you and Mark goes hiking and crow flies hiking, hiking out at the Red River Gorge <laughs> near Oxier Ridge. And lightning struck right by you guys. I mean, that video was hilarious. That was, <laughs> it's funny looking back and thinking about it, but man. That's terrifying. We could have died out there. Yeah. Lightning is no joke. All right. So that was, that was number one. So here's number two. Okay. Number two is ignoring the risks of bears or other wildlife. Many forests and backcountry areas along the PCT require the use of bear canisters or other safety measures. You must secure all food and other scented items, including toothpaste and toiletries, inside the bear canister or properly hang it from a tree to avoid any unwanted visitors. Be sure to check your pockets for random granola bars or wrappers. Not taking care of your food properly will put you and others in your group at risk. And we are talking about out west, so we're not necessarily talking about black bears. No. I mean, there are black bears out west, but they also have something much more scary. Yeah, they got the grizzlies out there, and yeah. they have mountain lions out there, and allegedly wolves. They mm. are they are yeah. trying to, it's my understanding, basically repopulate wolves amongst some of the northern states out west. And Yellowstone especially was one of the places they were doing that. Okay, do you think that's a good idea? Uh, yeah, because it was actually good for the uh, deer population. The deer population, it, like. They took the wolves out of the population years ago. Yeah, they killed them off because I'd assume they were killing livestock and stuff. Well, what was ha what ended up happening was it messed the ecosystem up. You're saying like whenever which they animals killed lived them? and which ones didn't, and I I believe now I could be wrong, and if some if I am wrong, somebody comment on this you know online somewhere, but I believe the 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 deer population almost became like overwhelming because there was nothing to keep the population down. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't think about whenever it comes to um, animals is the population control. You know, some people are on the fence of, like, you should never shoot a deer. And there's even people that argue you can artificially 
Um, you can artificially artificially change the amount of animals in the population by doing. I mean, basically, it's birth control techniques. Like, there's certain things you can do to the male that make it where they are no longer going to be able to impregnate any of the female deer. I don't, I don't remember what I was looking up or who it was, but they were talking about. It didn't seem very effective to me because I think you had to tranquilize the deer and then you had to either chemically castrate it or physically castrate it. And then I was like, how many times are you going to have to do that? Because deer just multiply if you don't hunt them, you know? Well, and the thing the thing with deer is when, when they become overpopulated, you see more damage to the land. Uh-huh. And yeah. the deer themselves are less healthy because the food sources become less. And Because there's more deer fighting for those food sources. And car accidents, too. Like, there's a lot, yeah. a lot of deer that are hit by cars. Yeah, it, it's, uh, deer hunting is not evil. So not, um, not, in some places it's necessary. So deer is just one example whenever it comes yeah. to the wildlife. Like, I was talking about the wolves. I was curious if you thought it was a good idea or not. Because some people are on one side of the fence and they're like, dude, wolves can literally just, like, rip your child apart. It's out on the farm and it sees the kid by itself, and it can just basically abduct it and, and eat it. I don't mm-hmm. know how often that happens. I'm sure, unfortunately, that has happened. Um, but I would say, you know, it's like a balance, like you're saying. You want predators and prey, and it helps the ecosystem go around. Because if you think about it, humans are like the X factor that's changed everything. You know, we can right. we can hunt all those out, or we can, you know, reinvigorate the population. But... As for the bear, the, I think most people use bear vaults, don't they, out west? Because a lot of places, it it's a non-negotiable. It's like if you want yeah, a backpack bear canisters, here, Yeah, you got to have a bear canister for a lot of these places. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the bear canister because it's heavy and it takes up a lot of room. So if you keep it in the inside of your, on the inside of your backpack, it takes up a lot of space. But if it's a non-negotiable... You know, you literally have to do it, I guess, or they're going to write you a ticket or a bear's going to kill you. Well, and, and brown bears are not like black bears. Black bears are kind of pansies for the most part. Yeah, they Especially in Kentucky. They're not going to come anywhere near you. But brown bears, I mean, you might as well be food for some of them. Well, the number one thing that I always think of is the little critters, like chewing a hole through your tent, a mouse chewing a hole yeah. through your tent, or something like that. I'm I'm never really concerned about toothpaste and stuff, though. Like, yeah. do you, when you hang a bear bag, do you put your toothpaste and your chapstick and like, you know, if you have, I don't know, maybe a triple antibiotic ointment or something like that. Do you put all that in your bear sack? Cause I keep all that in my hygiene and I don't hang it. I don't, I don't put like, I don't put antibiotic, antibiotic in, but I do want my toothpaste in there. And if I bring uh, some of that wonderful beard balm from our friends at backpack or uh, outdoor, back, beards. What, outdoor beards, how did I forget what the name of the company is? from outdoor beards? Good thing this isn't sponsored. Um, <laughs> if I bring that with me, cause it smells like chocolate. I'll put that in there and uh, I'll hang it just because uh, those are stinky things and I don't want stinky things in my tent or hammock. Yeah, that's a hot topic though, but I would definitely, if I'm somewhere that it's required, you probably want to use that bear canister because they have, 
on a lot of those trails out west, it's my understanding that they have they police it more than like on the AT. How often do you see a ridge runner or like a uh, I don't know a park employee that's checking permits and stuff? You'll see them more in the Smokies than you will any will anywhere else. I think out east, and that's about it. Yeah, so I'm thinking out west, and I could be wrong on that, but I think that you're gonna your permits and stuff have to be checked. Like there's so many permits and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I don't know if they catch on to the bear vault or the uh, the bear canister or not. Yeah, but it's definitely something you got to pay attention to when you're out west. Okay, the next one I think is a very common sense one, but not telling people your plans. The golden rule of outdoor adventures, tell at least one person where you're going and when you plan on getting back. Whether this is a spouse, your mother, a friend, or a neighbor, make sure they know what to expect or when to expect you to return and the route you plan on taking. If you don't make it back on time, the person can alert search and rescue crews and guide them to where you might be found. Well, I have something I'm really wanting to talk to you about on this. I'm going to save it for just a second, but yeah, typically what I do whenever I'm backpacking is I tell Bridget, my wife, like, Hey, you're going to hear from me regardless. Cause I got my Garmin in reach. And then, right. You know, if somebody else is with me and I mine malfunctions or something, I'll try to at least be like, hey, can you send her a text letting her know that we're at camp and I'll contact her at this time. But it, if it's like uh, going to be a little bit sketchy or I'm going by myself, I will leave a very detailed plan like, hey, here's a map. And on the map, this is exactly where I'm expecting to camp if possible. This is where I'm going to be at kind of day two and so on. Uh, but out West, I guess it's a different beast. You definitely want to still do that, but I don't know. I'd feel like it's more dangerous. Yeah. I know for me, I take a Zolio with me and every, every time I I start my hike, I send my location to my wife. And then whenever I get to where I'm going for the night, I send another location. So they know that during the day I was between these two spots Mm -hmm. and there's actually a setting if you want to use it where it will every, you know, like hour or whatever interval you want, it'll send your location. Does that kill so, your battery? No, actually it doesn't really bother the battery much at all. I think that those might have a better battery than the Garmin in- InReach Mini. I don't know if it's going to... It might. Maybe it's a bigger battery, or maybe it's not as... Garmin isn't doing things as efficiently, or maybe it's more features. I don't know, but... Well, you've got an illuminated screen, and there's no screen on the Zolio, so it's probably taking more battery just for that. Yeah, you're probably right. So, um, but I would say I would say that making sure you get the information to people who know where you're going out there is really important, especially if you're going somewhere as far away from home. I'm I'm about to I'm about to ask you something here. Ask me something, Jeremiah. I want to hear your uh, thoughts on what about the people that put their um, either a plan in their windshield. Or a boot print in their windshield. No. Are no, you begging are you begging for somebody to break into your car if you put the detailed plan in the windshield? Well, that or I mean, people are weird, man. I don't I don't want everybody on the planet to know where I'm going. Oh, you're saying they might see your car where you're going and then chase you down. You don't I mean I don't know. I just I there's only a few people need to know where I'm going to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do a boot print. I'm not doing that stuff. Uh, no, not for me. 
So do you think that it is more likely or less likely that your vehicle is going to be broken into if you leave a boot print in the windshield? I don't know, but I don't want to take a chance. You That's remember? the best answer I can give. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna say one way or the other. But I know I'm not gonna do it. Well, I think Crow didn't somebody bust his window out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a break in. And uh, Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir, did he ever tell you? <laughs> did he ever tell you about the time that somebody broke into his vehicle? We might have talked about it on here before. Wasn't it up on Oxier Ridge? Yeah. And you re- do you remember what they stole? No, I don't remember what they stole. <laughs> they left his trekking poles in the back. They didn't take those, but they stole anything that was left in the vehicle. I don't remember what all it was, but the best thing was whenever he tried to start it and nothing happened, he stuck the key in, tried to start it, and then he went and raised the hood, and they had taken his battery. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <gasps> they stole his battery. Serious? Yeah, they stole his battery, and uh, he, had to, <laughs> he had to call and have somebody to bring him. But can you imagine sitting there waiting? How, how well, angry... You would be. And what if? What if you didn't have phone service? What if you didn't have phone service? Yeah, you'd have to wa- either oh, walk. Man, you'd walk to somewhere you had phone service, or bum a ride and you know hit you in or something, and or use somebody else's phone. But you're sitting there. It could take two hours for them to drive from going to get the battery at AutoZone or wherever, and driving it all the way out to the woods to you. I mean that. <laughs> that could be disaster. That's nuts. That's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Okay, so number four. Number four on this list. Yes. Not having a dependable plan for drinking water. There's no way to overstate the importance of having clean drinking water on the trail. Not only do you need to drink plenty of water to stay healthy as you hike, you need it to simply stay alive. Assuming you can't carry in enough water to survive a multi-day through hike on the PCT, you need to purify water. Choose a water purification method and do some test runs before you head to trail. You should also have a backup plan. If you are using a battery-operated uh, purification device like a SteriPen, be sure to bring a backup battery. Also, a good, It's also a good idea to bring iodine tablets as a backup in case your purification method doesn't work out. Thoughts on that? Uh, I'm curious, how often do you bring a backup um, filtration method? Every time I go backpacking. Every I time have, like, you go? I always have tablets. I always have tablets or something just in case my filter break messes up. Okay. Confession time? You don't ever do it. I don't think I've ever brought a backup method since I started backpacking. Now, I will tell you, whenever I go with friends, I'm not really worried about it because almost all the people that I go with are avid backpackers, and if something fails, you may have to do with that water for a little while until you catch up to them at camp or something, you know, but uh, if I'm going to be in a situation like you're saying with the PCT – I am going to bring a backup method or I'm going to be sticking with whoever I'm hiking with, you know, because if it's desert and I'm having to carry six liters of water and I know this is going to be the source, that's kind of all mapped out, but you never know. You just never know. So don't, but yeah, I will say when I started hiking with the B free filter, Mm -hmm. um, I heard so many people say bad things about it Uh that I always made sure I had that iodine with me. Always had those tablets because I was like, I wasn't willing to risk it because if that thing just clogged up and stopped working on me, yeah, I got nothing. What's it so, taste? What's it taste like for the tablets? Have you tried them? Yeah, it's not tasty. 
What's it's it not t- tasty. What, would you say it tastes kind of chemically, like a pool? Yeah, yeah, it's got a weird pool? chemical taste to it. I don't know if it tastes like a pool. Not it just doesn't taste normal. Okay, and what about the uh, iodine drops? Have you tried those? I've not done the iodine drops. I've just done, well, I've done the Aquamira, which I guess is more chlorine, isn't it? Or is it? Uh, I don't know. I assume it'd be a base because most cleaning products are bases, but yeah, I could be totally off. I don't know. But yeah, I've used those. And the thing that stinks about those is you put them in, you've got to wait like 30 minutes to 45 minutes before you can even drink the water. Well, I saw on Man, Woman, Wild. Have you ever seen that show before? It's on Discovery Channel? No, uh-uh. Okay. Well, they went to like, it's kind of like Survivor Man or Bear Grylls or whatever. Um, right. It's a man and his wife. And they were placed in a situation where, like, hypothetically speaking, this is... I don't remember if it's post-apocalyptic or what, but basically he was showing you different ways in urban situations how you could still purify water. And it was like, check the tank of the toilet. That's a good place to get water if there's a disaster because it's already been sitting there. Um, And if you want to purify it, you probably are not going to have a filter unless you're like a prepper or something or like we're back there, so we already have it. But uh, you can just take a cap of bleach and do one gallon of water to one cap of bleach and then you wait 30 minutes but i still would imagine that you're gonna it's gonna taste kind of bleachy kind of chlorine oh yeah yeah it will there's no doubt about that it, it won't taste normal that's now, for sure for the filters i was doing the long trail and the filter that i took i'm pretty sure what happened was it was a sawyer squeeze no sawyer you took the sawyer micro didn't you i think i took the sawyer micro and yeah, that was a crap filter. Yes, and I think that it's just a terrible filter in general, but I could be guilty of back flushing it with tap water, which could build up calcium inside and prevent it from filtering effectively. So that could be on me, but I've heard so many people trash that thing that I just continue to trash it too. Yeah, I haven't heard of one person that used it. I think Tim Watson is the only person I know of who used it. It didn't mess up on him. Yeah, I was in Colorado with him, actually, and I think I was giving him a hard time about that. I was like, dude, throw that thing in the trash. You need to get one of these, and it's probably a B-free, and then mine (laughs) mine stopped working. So maybe I'm not the best for advice. That's funny. That's funny. But definitely water's important, man. I've had Giardia. No fun. Make sure you, you filter that water. Okay, the fifth thing, the final thing that they put on their list of fatal flaws is not having quality gear that can stand up to extreme weather. Always wear clothes that dry quickly and wick moisture away from your skin to protect yourself from the danger of being wet and cold for an extended amount of time. Hypothermia can set in quickly, so you need to have clothing and other sources of warmth, a sleeping bag or quilt, that are warm and dry even if it's cold and wet outside. You also need to have a tent or some other form of shelter to provide a dry place to stay warm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And a lot of people use that slogan, cotton kills. But Mm -hmm. I think cotton is very popular around camp. So to the avid backpacker, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I will be wearing a long sleeve synthetic shirt. And a lot of times I'll take a Columbia performance fishing gear shirt. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I'm sitting there. It's hot. It's a long sleeve shirt. I'm going to change into my camp clothes. The last thing I want is that same texture of material if you will so i will have a cotton t-shirt that's only for around camp because if you wear it Mm. when you're on trail 
the most common thing that happens to me is you just chafe under your armpits because you're sweating, your backpack's kind of yeah. going under there it as rubs. well. So, I don't know. I like the synthetic, but some people do it differently. Some people backpack in jeans. My father-in-law backpacks in jeans. I think that that could be a disaster, though, if, you know, if you're out west and you got wet and the temperature's plummeted, you're probably mm-hmm. going to get hypothermic and die if somebody doesn't well, get to you. And I will say this, probably people who backpack in jeans have no desire to backpack in the cold. Yeah, they're probably more fair weather. Yeah, I don't, if anybody's taking backpacking seriously, they're not wearing that in the wintertime because you can't. It's it's too risky. You're you're risking the chance to really mess yourself up. Yeah, I think so. you're risking the hypothermia thing, but, you know, I, I don't think they're great in the summer either. <laughs> You know, sometimes I wear shorts, but you you can get ticks on you. Um, Yeah. So a lot of times I wear the pants, also poison ivy, but uh, shorts would be preferred. And I'm telling you, dude, you're going to get so swampy down in the nether regions wearing the jeans. I know. That's the worst. Even like you're standing out, you know, at a sporting event or something and you're wearing jeans, it could be terrible. So I'm with them. I've found that hiking pants are more comfortable than jeans anyways. Is that your go-to? Dude, I actually kind of wear them out and about. I think that I like hiking pants. I think they're a good choice, man. My favorite that I got was um, like the zip off at the knee. Yeah. Yeah. The Columbia ones. um, You can get whatever brand you want. I think I got them at like a local fishing store here in town. Yeah. But I tell you the number one problem is I am so lazy that once I zip off the bottom part, You're not zipping them back on, are you? Dude, those things get buried in the bottom of my backpack until I get home, and I, <laughs> I'm i like, these are the only clean thing that I have from this entire trip. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know. I, I think I had to throw those pants away. I don't remember what happened to them. Ripped or probably what happened was the bottom look totally normal and then above the knee they're so discolored and been washed so many times that it looks like i'm wearing you know a different pair of pants from the knee down than yeah from the knee up yep i believe it man well dude that those are the five things the five fatal flaws on the pct i thought it was really interesting because uh, like i said i'm wanting to go out west this fall at some point and i would love to uh Make sure I know what I need to know when I get out there. So is there anything else you want to add to this one? This is like a shorter 30-minute kind of podcast today. Uh, I just want to say I hope that you get to go, man. And I plan I on know. going back too because it so, it's a totally different world. Um, Jeremy from All Things Outdoors has been sending me some pictures. And oh, I've gotten those too, yeah. He's out there, and he's got a Bronco. If you all like off-roading and stuff, um, you can check out his channel, but – he has this newer Bronco and he just for some reason just decided to drive out West. And he's been sending me pictures of arches and the snow and dude, it's like Mars. It's crazy. Amazing mountaintops. Yeah. But that's all I had to add. Yeah. I oh. thought those were all really good, man. Good points. Oh yeah. I, and like I said, man, these are, these are from the Pacific uh, Crest Trail Association. So this is actually from the PCT Association. So they're, uh, Pretty legitimate things to have to know in your Your, brain. Yeah, your backpacking repertoire. (laughs) (laughs) You ever have one of those times you try to get a sentence out and it just doesn't happen? I'm having a stroke. That that was that moment right there. (laughs) 
So <laughs> with that said, for myself and Jeremiah Stringer, we will catch you guys on the next one. Adios, folks. Bye.